0: In this episode of the Audacity Channel podcast, I want to talk to you about adding real-time effects to our tracks. And in the process of talking about that, I want to talk about the order of real-time effects that I most often use in my podcast. So stick around. Hey friends, Mike Adams here with the Audacity Channel podcast. Now that Audacity supports real-time stackable effects, it's important to know how to use those if that's something that you want to do. Stackable real-time effects are non-destructive to the track that we're working on. Of course, once we apply a real-time stackable effect to a track and then export that track, at that point, the effects that we put on it do change the waveform significantly. But the original waveform remains unchanged, so we can always go back to that original waveform if we need to. We can also move the order around of real-time effects as we place them on the track. For example, if I put EQ first and then later I decide I want EQ second for some reason, then I have the ability to just drag that down to the second place. And setting the parameter of a real-time effect can be changed on the fly as well. And all of this is non-destructive to the track that we're working on. I should also mention that in order to use a real-time stackable effect, it needs to be enabled in Plugin Manager. On a Mac, we get to Plugin Manager through the effect drop-down window. And once we're there, it gives us a list of all of the available plugins in our system. And we can filter it on disabled plugins or enabled plugins or all. So it's important to enable your plugin in in that drop-down window before you try and apply a real-time effect. Otherwise, it won't show up in the list of real-time effects. So how do we do this? Well, there's a couple of different ways. In the track control header itself, there's a button there that says Effects. I can click on that button, and it expands that header out so that I can add real-time effects. On a Mac, I can also press the letter E, unless I've changed that. The letter E, by default, opens up that real-time effect panel. You can see that by going to the Effect drop-down window, and one of the options there is Add Real-time Effects with the letter E next to it. That means that E is the keyboard shortcut for opening up that panel to add real-time effects. So once we open up the effects panel, you'll see a button there to add effect. And if I click on that button, it will give me the plugins that are available on my computer to add as real-time effects. Now, here's an important thing to know. I'm on version 3.2.5, which as of this recording is the latest version of Audacity. And Audacity, as of this recording, only supports the VST2 and VST3 real-time stackable effects, in addition to AU effects. Or audio units. So if you have a VST effect or some other type of effect or plugin that you want to add as a real time plugin, you're not going to be able to do that just yet, but I'm sure that's coming. Audacity itself supports many types of plugins, but as far as real time stackable non destructive effects, it only supports those three categories VST2, VST3, and AU. Again, I'm sure there are more on the way, and I'm looking forward to version 3.3 of Audacity to see what's in store for us there. So adding an effect is a very simple process. If I click the Add Effect button, again, I get a list of all of the real-time stackable effects that are supported and that are enabled in Audacity. So I can pick an effect there. Now, there are probably as many plugins that could go here as there are people who are using Audacity. Plugins are all over the place and they range from free plugins to plugins that can cost quite a bit of money. So, I'm not going to look at specific plugins or specific effects that can be added through this window. I just want to explain how to do it in case you're unfamiliar with it. And then, in just a moment, I'm going to explain the order of effects that I put in when I'm doing my podcast. So, once I click add an effect and I select an effect to add, that effect appears in that expanded panel that I've got open. If I want to change the parameters of whatever effect that I've put in there, I simply click once on that effect. And when I click once on that effect, it opens up a window that gives me the parameters that I can change for whatever effect I have added. You'll also notice that to the left of each effect that I have added, there's a power button. I can click on that button to disable or enable a particular effect that I've added in real time. By clicking the drop-down window to the right of the effect that I just added, I can remove that effect completely by selecting No Effect, or I can replace it with another effect. And once I select another effect, the process is the same as far as clicking on the effect to open up the parameter window for whatever particular effect that I've put in there. You'll also notice that below the effects that I put in, there's another Add Effect button. I can just keep stacking effects in here in whatever order I want to put them in, and I can always add new effects. Once I get more than one effect in here too, you'll see that on the left side near the power button, there's a spot to grab each effect and reorder it. So I can drag effects up and down, these are stackable effects, and whatever order I end up with is the order that they're going to be placed onto the waveform. In other words, from top down, my effects are going to be added to the waveform in whatever order I have them set there. And when I'm adding effects to this waveform, the waveform itself isn't going to change. What I hear will change, but the waveform itself won't change. So I can add different effects here. I can enable or disable an individual effect. I can move them around, reorder them because they're stackable. And whatever effects I put in this window are non-destructive. In other words, they don't manipulate the waveform itself that's in that particular track. So once I've got my effects in the order that I want them, I've got them all enabled and I've set the parameters on each one. When I play back through the waveform that I've got selected, I'm going to hear what it sounds like with those effects on it. If I want to do a comparison of a before and after, I can turn off a particular effect or I can turn off the entire group and listen to the original waveform without any effects on it. And once I've got all the effects on it the way that I want them on it, I can either export that track, or I can export my project, depending on what I'm working on, and the exported waveform, or the exported file, will be the file with all of those effects on it in the order that I've placed them on it. If I want to see what the stackable effects on my waveform look like before I export it, I can do a mix and render, or a mix and render, to a new track. In other words, I can select the entire track simply by clicking once in the track control panel, And then I can come up to the Tracks drop-down menu and select Mix. And once I'm there, I have a couple of different options. One is Mix and Render, and the other is Mix and Render to a new track. If I do a Mix and Render, it takes whatever tracks I have selected, and it mixes them all down into one new track. And that one new track replaces whatever tracks I have selected. In other words, the original tracks disappear. And they're replaced by a composite track, a mixed down track of those tracks that I have selected. So keep in mind, if you select mix and render, your original work is going to disappear. That's not a big deal as long as you click undo before you close Audacity. Clicking undo will get those original tracks back. A second option that probably makes a little bit more sense is mix and render to a new track. And when I use mix and render and it mixes down the track or tracks that I've got selected, it puts them in a new track at the bottom of your project. This is helpful to see what the effects that you've added do to the waveform before you export it. Remember, the original waveform is untouched. But the advantage of doing this is you get to see what you're going to export before you export it. And you'll also notice that when you do a mix and render and that new track opens up, there aren't any additional effects on it. You don't want additional effects on it, most likely, because you've already put your effects on the original track. And once you've got this mix and rendered track available, you can solo it and you can listen to it. And then when you're ready to export it, if you want to, you can keep that track soloed and just export that one track. Or if you're working on multiple tracks and you've got a project full of tracks and you don't want to use the mix and render or mix and render to a new track option, you can simply export all of the tracks in your project into your exported file. I use mix and render to a new track once in a while. I don't do it very often. Most of the time, I just export my entire project as an MP3 file with the parameters that I want to have set there. And then I drag that MP3 file back into my project to take a look at it. And the reason why I'm looking at it is I want to make sure that I don't have too much of a difference in my dynamic range, that I'm compressed well, and that I'm not clipping. And then I solo that track that I just imported back in and I play it back. That's my final MP3. So I play it back before I upload it to my hosting service just to make one final pass on it and make sure that it is the way I want it to sound. So there's a few different options for you that you can do to check your track before you upload it, after you've added real-time effects to it, because when you do export your project, the exported waveform is going to have some different characteristics than the waveforms you've been working on, simply because we've added real-time stackable effects. But let's back up a step or two. Before I add real-time stackable effects, I do all of my content editing. What does that mean? Well, I mentioned in a previous episode that I normally record my podcast into my Zoom H6 as a WAV file or WAV files. And then I import those tracks into my project. Once I have those tracks imported into my Audacity project, I do content editing. That is, I clean it up. I get rid of ums. I get rid of mistakes. I get rid of long pauses. You wouldn't believe the number of mistakes and pauses I make. This stuff that you're hearing isn't what happens in real time. Let's be honest, I'm not that good. So I go back through and I fix it. And when I'm doing content editing, I'm getting rid of things like ums and strange background noises that might pop up from time to time. And I'm setting the cadence of the podcast, or I'm setting the cadence rather of the voice recording that I just made, because each of us has a cadence to the way we speak, don't we? And I want my podcast to sound normal. I want it to sound natural. And so one of the things that I do in my content editing is I make sure that the cadence is there. There's not real long pauses. If there are, I shorten them so that it sounds like just normal speaking, normal conversation. I do all of that content cleanup before I add a real-time effect. That's just personal preference. It doesn't mean you have to do it that way. That's just the way I do it. And then once I've got all my content cleanup done or my content editing done, then I go back through and I add my real-time effects. And then after I add my real-time effects, I export my project again as that MP3 file, assuming I'm doing an MP3 file. If I'm doing a video, it's going to be a WAV file that I export. But whatever I've exported, I then drag it back into Audacity, and I make it the bottom track, and I solo it, and that's the one that I listen to for my final yes or no in terms of, do I want to post this? So that's my process uh, for getting a podcast out. is First of all, content editing, cleaning up the uh, WAV file or WAV files that I'm working on if it's a multi-track project. And then adding real-time effects and then exporting my project and then bringing it back in so that I can take one final look at it and one final listen through of it. And when I listen through the final time, I don't listen to it in real time. I set the play at speed toolbar to one and a half times and I listen to it that way. Because I've already heard myself talk and then I heard myself again while I was doing content editing and I really don't want to listen to myself a third time in real time because I don't have time and I just don't want to listen to myself. So I play it at one and a half speed, just so I can catch any final mistakes that are there before I upload it. That's the process that is used on all of the episodes that I do, including this one. So let's turn a corner a little bit now, and let's talk about the order of real-time effects that I typically use on a podcast. And again, this is for reference only. This isn't something you need to do. It's just what I do. And I found that when I find out what someone else does, the processes that they use, it helps me to be a better podcast editor, a better podcast producer, because I glean things from other people. That's one of the ways that we learn. And so, with that in mind, let me tell you the effects that I normally put on a podcast, at least on the voices of a podcast. I don't mess with music in a podcast because typically it's already been mastered. So, other than setting the level, I don't mess around with the music at all. But when it comes to those who are talking on the podcast, here's the order of effects that I use at least that I normally use. There's variations depending on who's in my podcast and whether they're male or female. So let's say it this way. When I'm editing a podcast and it's me speaking, it's just my voice in the track, this is the order of effects that I use. First of all, I put on equalization, or EQ. I like to do that up front. Some people don't, but I like to. I like for equalization to be on my track when the other effects are applied because I do listen to portions of the track as soon as I put an effect on them. And I want equalization to be on there first up, because equalization is important to me. I don't want my audio to be too bassy. I don't want my audio to be too tinny. I want it to have some character, and I want it to have some warmth and clarity at the same time. So I put EQ on it. Typically, the second effect that I will put on my own voice when I'm recording is a de I use the deesser that comes within Isotope RX10 standard. I like that deesser; it works well for me. So I have a deesser applied with a certain preset to de-ess my voice. I don't want a lot of sibilance in my voice. You know, sibilance being s sounds. Sss, you know, kind of a just a annoying s sound. So I deess it. Secondly, so first of all, I put EQ on it, and then my second effect typically is a deesser because I've EQ'd it. And so now let's de-ess it. And then the third effect that I put on here is a mouth de-click. And again, I use the iZotope RX10 standard mouth de-click plug And in order to get that plug-in, I think you have to buy iZotope uh, RX10. I bought the standard version because I didn't need the bigger version because I don't do music. So everything that I pretty much needed was in the standard version. And I love their mouth de-clicker. I did a recent YouTube video comparing the Isotope Mouth D-Clicker to the D-Clicker that's available within Audacity. And that D-Clicker is available on the Audacity team website. It doesn't come with Audacity, but you can go download it there and you can install it. I've used that one for years, and it's really good, but it is destructive. So I did this head-to-head video between RX10 Mouth D-Click and the Audacity D clicker and the RX10 mouse declicker picked up quite a few mouth clicks after I'd already run the Audacity D clicker. So I'm sticking with the mouth declick as my third plugin. And again, these are all real time effects I've got stacked in this particular order. And then the fourth and final plugin that I use, I don't use a lot of plugins, but the fourth and final one that I use is for loudness control, for setting the LUFS level. Typically my podcasts are mono. And so I'm shooting for a LUFS level of a minus 19 dB. And that last plugin that I put on it ensures that I hit that minus 19 dB LUFS in the track that I've recorded. So my process is pretty simple. I don't get real extreme on these plugins. I do enough, I think, just to clean it up and make it sound a little more professional. And again, I, I put these on after I've done content cleanup and got rid of things that I just don't want on my track. But let me give you that order of effects again. Number one, I use EQ. Number two, I add a de-esser. Number three, I put a mouth declicker on it, and number four, I use a loudness plugin to achieve that negative 19 dB luffs that I want on my podcast. So that's a look into my process into the uh the audio madness that I tend to do. It seems to work for me. And I hope that it helps you and inspires you along to start using real-time stackable effects if that's something you're not already doing. There's certainly nothing wrong with the effects that come within Audacity other than the fact that they're destructive. But I've said for years, we don't need to be afraid of destructive editing. We just need to know that it's there and know how to use it correctly. And that's what I've been trying to teach others to do with Audacity now for a number of years. But now we've got this new vehicle that's putting Audacity on a completely different track. And that new vehicle is the option of using real-time stackable effects. And this takes Audacity, in my opinion, to an entirely new level. Here's a free program that's extremely easy to use. And now we have the ability to use real-time stackable effects. So I hope that you are, or that you'll experiment with that and see what works for you. Hey, just a reminder that I do teach Audacity classes. These are on-demand video courses at audacitybootcamp.com, audacitybootcamp.com. If you get a chance, check those out. I've got one there for podcasters, and I've got one there for ACX audiobook narrators. And don't take my word for it. Look at the reviews that I've got posted on that website at audacitybootcamp.com. Those are real people with real responses to the courses that I've taught. So I'll let you go for now, and until next time, y'all take care.